You got Alaska? All right. Yeah, I got it. The Revenge um, of the Return of Alaska tonight. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Call Out Culture. We have a, a special episode that we're doing tonight, something that we've been talking about doing for a while, and it yeah. kind of seems timely at this point. Um, yeah. It's a, a, another episode in our We Need to Talk About series, and uh, this week it's We Need to Talk About the Police, and we have a very special guest. We need to talk uh, about the Wait, you whenever, put it in stereo, but you can scream for all West Philly right now. I think? Whenever we have a controversial subject, we always bring in our good friend, Mister <laughs> Shepard, aka Blueprint. <laughs> y'all know I'm gonna say some off the wall shit. <laughs> right. Look, yo, we, yo, I'm under curfew. I'm under stress, man. They just hit us with the curfew. Oh yeah, dude, they, they cut off my TV. Yeah. We were watching 90 Day Fiance. They cut the TV off. Oh yeah, we're on curfew till so 6 a.m. So really, cut the yeah, TV. Yeah, I cut yeah. our cable off with the with the emergency. Damn. Yeah, get through my phone and all that. Yeah, yeah. We had one. You guys? Here, here. Yeah, on cable. Yeah, cut it off for like two minutes. I'm on curfew, yo. Yeah, I'm about to run out. We got, the, we, we got the text on our phones too. That's some scary shit. Yeah, though. That's insane. They just, and let me tell you because the funny the reason it's scary is because we just started having some of the vandalism downtown, like literally two hours before I kind of heard of curfew. So I'm watching right. yep. them like burning some yeah, um, Apple cop store. cars, Apple mm-hmm. store they ran up in. And then 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 I heard word, yo, there's a curfew. And then mm-hmm. like 7.50, boom, we got the alert. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 you know, they could probably turn our phones off. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they, they ah. shut down, the, the, they shut down SEPTA, all the buses, trains. Everything shut down, yeah. Everything yeah. shut down. So look, they ran into the Louis, so first, so the Apple, we have an Apple store downtown. And um, pretty much, oh, if anybody don't know, tonight's episode, we're talking about the Polites. Mm-hmm. And so we have an Apple store downtown. There's a certain, like, uh, affluent block with, like, mm-hmm. the Louis Vuitton stores mm-hmm. or some mm-hmm. high-end stores and shit. And, and Apple's on one of those blocks. The Apple store is pretty well guarded. That glass is not easy. So if you just, a skateboard ain't going to crack it. But they got the doors open. So somebody probably mm-hmm. knows, you know, they got the doors open. And you, it looked like water flowing in. Not that many people, but just as soon as the doors open, whoosh, everybody ran in there. But what people don't know is most of those are specs and demos, and they have remote ways of turning all those off in about 20 yeah, days. They could also and track them. Yeah. Cops come right up to your door and <laughs> yeah. knock on your door. Hey, do you have one of those stolen iPhones? Can we get that yeah. back? So anyway, but that but there was a cop car, two cars lunched down. They lit that on fire, and yeah. that's when they started talking about curfew. They lit about four cop cars on fire, but yeah. a yep. lot of stores. Mostly corporate stores, Wells Fargo. They let up three, two Starbucks. Two Starbucks. Yeah, they, they had a Sprint, a Sprint store, or wow. T-Mobile store, one of them. Yeah. 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 So, but, but where they were, there was no, I mean, if there's a bright side, there was no, um, not saying it was a bright side, I have my own opinion, but no small businesses, no locals or like chains or whatever. Five guys yeah. got hit. Yeah. You know. Mm. But um, again, everybody keep your eyes open because if you look closely at the footage, a lot of people look very strange, the ones that are breaking things and yeah. creating damage and starting fires. Of course. There's a lot of infiltration. 
Um, mm-hmm. One state, I can't remember exactly. They said that everybody they arrested was from out of state. That was Minneapolis, so, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, they said Minneapolis. St. Paul, Minneapolis. I saw it another tape, but they had these four white kids on a lawn in Wisconsin. No, they were from Wisconsin, and they held yeah. them until they called their mothers said, "Come get these kids." They were just mm-hmm. up here damaging yeah, wow. things. So people will always use these things to um, justify their agenda. So I just want everybody to be safe out there. But let's let's get let's get into it. Let's All right. So, um, I mean, you know, I guess maybe if we just all talk about what we're feeling right now to set things off and just sort of let the conversation start. Hmm. Anybody, want, anybody want to jump in or? I don't know. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to force like our it. guests to kick off. All right, I'll, I'll start. You know, okay. Because I'll, I'll be the one that'll be the most emotional, screaming the most on this whole thing. And so I said, you know, before this episode, Castro, don't be the angry black man, but fuck it. You know, I, I play my role well. I don't give a damn. So look, so this episode is about cops. We were supposed to, the funny thing is, we were supposed to do this episode way many episodes ago, but yes. we always kind of held it off. Mm-hmm. So like, um, but again, my feelings haven't changed. You know what I'm saying? Like I could go back to, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of incidents with Yousef Hawkins, Tawana Brawley, and you know, obviously the Rodney King, and I was right there front, front line of center. I'm from the area. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. The cops still run around with impunity. I'm a six-year-old that was poked by a nightstick. What are you doing here in my neighborhood? I was arrested at 16. My mom was arrested when I was 17. I've never had any positive, any good interactions. I know one good cop because I did hip-hop with him. So mm-hmm. I don't even fuck with cops. That's always just straight up. People know that about me. Don't even tell me you a part-time cop or anything like that. I can't even deal with you, yo. I'm, I'm good. Like I, And I'm, I'm prejudiced that way. Everybody know that. So I'll just go in there case by case basis because I just can't understand the certain things that you have to submit yourself to to do that type of job. And it's a flawed job. It's set up for it to be horrible. It's set up to have these horrible results. People don't have um, certain educations that I feel are for that job. Why, why aren't cops all masters of psychology and sociology? They should have those degrees. How to deal with people. A social worker shouldn't be better with people than a cop. That's backwards to me. Because the cops that I grew up with, you know, before they started really fucking with us, they lived by four and five doors down. They lived in the neighborhood. We used to have a beat cop. I was talking to my mom the other day. Tall white guy used to stand on the same corner. You knew who he was. So he could de-escalate the situation when backup comes that don't know you from Adam. He could tell you what's where and what for. Nah, they put themselves in these cruises. So now they took their feet off the ground. So they totally disconnected themselves mm. from neighborhoods. So now they're riding around in metal vehicles, seeing, rolling up on situations, always making situations worse to mm. me. Every time backup mm. comes, you ever see the car kind of drives even closer? The people stumble out the car. Hey, 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 what's going on? Even when a cop has de-escalated something, backup usually comes and tackles somebody out of the blue. It's just, it's, it mm. just seems like a profession. In, 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 in the UK, they don't carry guns. So how come they police work and I don't? I don't think they police work. I just see many videos of them up as getting their ass whooped. The point I'm trying to make is other places don't police the way we do. And we have a big problem. And I just think it's a system that's kind of cracked. So I don't know if we could fix a system that's cracked. Maybe we need to go back to the moon games in everybody's neighborhood, protecting themselves. So uh, that's my first dot drop. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll weigh in. Um, this is tricky for me because 
I've grown up with dudes that became cops. I live in a, in a, in a close knit family neighborhood. That's like blue lives matter flags and the truck with the Punisher skull with the blue lives on it, which to me is like, I've been wanting to do a song called the blue, blue lives never matter to Frank castle, just because the Punisher <laughs> it's fundamentally strange to me. If you're a police officer to look at the Punisher as your idol, when your idol should be captain America. The Punisher is a last resort. Correct. A Punisher, a Punisher is a renegade. He's a renegade. He follows no laws and he kills people whenever he feels like it. He's an awesome character. I've read a million Punisher books in my life and watched the shows. But when I started seeing the Punisher skull, and to me, it was like a takeoff of like that American Sniper movie. You know what I mean? When you started seeing like the mainstream of the Punisher logo by people that don't know who the Punisher is. But now Marvel yeah. and the shows like... Now you're seeing the, but that, that logo has been around my whole life. I've been drawing it since I was eight years old because I, I bought the comics. Right. Um, so it was always weird to me starting to see that where I was like, you should be Superman or Captain America as an officer if you think like you want to follow some ideal of a hero, not a bandit, not a renegade. Um, so, I, and my interactions with cops have been mostly positive my whole life. Like I had to call the cops yesterday because something stupid happened in my neighborhood. Um, yeah, it took three, four hours to get here, but it was it was all good. But me and Castro, we had a bad experience with a cop. We'll get to that. I had years ago where well, let's hold in, that. in let's my hold crib that. and we'll get into all that. But, we'll um, get into that. So, but when I was thinking about this episode, two things really stuck, stuck out in my mind. One was, um, this, I, I went back and listened to it today. It was an episode of Combat Jack, rest in peace, from six years ago, where he interviewed this dude, Corey Pegues. Oh, oh, yeah, I love that. Yes. So I listened to that episode love, love. back then. I stopped following the piggies because it got really hairy after a while. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, in case you guys don't know who he is, he was this dude, he wrote this book called uh, From the Beat, From the Streets to the Beat, where he he was in New York, like in the 80s crack era, running the streets, getting it. Like bodies dumped, sneaker boxes everywhere. Crazy. And then he got out of the game early, went to the military, and came back home and became a police officer. And then rose up the ranks like commander. Um, and he was the one when all it went back in 2014, when the first wave of all these things happened, he was going public. Like he retired and started chastising the police. So I went back and listened to his episode with combat Jack. And he said, it's, you know, everything starts top down. It's all leadership. And he was like, most of these dudes are pencil pushers that had their lunch money taken their whole lives and were pushed around and bullied. But their fathers were police officers. Their grandfathers were police officers. And they're like, we're going to take care of you. He was like, where I came from a street element of like having to have my head on a swivel all day to survive. And I was a better cop than them because I was in that environment and I wasn't scared of them. And he, so he talked about just like the fraternity and the brotherhood and there's, they, they just want to have unfettered rule over everything. And he said, so he was talking about, this is 2014 after the um, Eric Garner case had just happened. And he said, what does the police commissioner say back then as it's happening? Yeah, they didn't use lethal force. And he was like, everybody with their eyeballs can see what's happening. This dude saying, I can't breathe. And people choking him out. What a forum around his throat and four people on top of him. He said, so what does that say to you? From the top down that the structure believes that we're going to protect you. You can use brutal force. Um, even if we get a lawsuit, it's going to take years to get cleared up anyway. By that point, people will move on. So go ahead, go for it. He's like, and that's the message that's always being delivered. So in his episode, he talked about, he's like, I was the only commander telling my people, if you go out and terrorize these citizens today, I'm taking your badge. He said, because I didn't come from the lifelong fraternity of 
I'm going to be a cop my whole life because my dad was a cop and they're a cop or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to that now, six years later, it's still really important um, to hear what the mindset is from a person who went through it all as an outsider and got out of it. Uh, and even after he got out of it, it was on Combat Jack. You know, they put him on the New York Post and tried to bury him. And they showed up at his crib and all stuff. And his kids are cops. So, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing. But I, I, I said that the guys before we start recording, I have this, I'll, I'll probably like sprinkling stuff throughout the episode from um, the Harvard Business Review. Where they talk about organiz- the articles called The Organizational Reasons Police Departments Don't Change. And it's really fascinating. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of throw them in throughout. But that's just kind of like my... Uh, my two cents thinking about this topic and this episode and me. So I'm going to do more, more listening tonight, actually. But, you know, as I shoot in some gems here and there. So that's it. Word up. Word. Um, so my feeling is it should be abolished um, in general. I think it's the only organization in the country that can legally murder you, can legally steal your stuff um, with no repercussion because they cannot be outside of criminal charges, which are rarely brought against them, you cannot sue them because they have uh, qualified immunity. Um, I think the way that the entire system is set up right now is a system that is rewarding towards the bad actors. They're not going to get trouble. They don't get in trouble. It's harder for people to stand up. Um, to them within the, the field. And I think that it needs to be completely destroyed and then rebuilt and have something of a more compassionate brand of enforcement. Um, I know people that have, like you, Zilla, have become cops. None of them ever became better people mm. by becoming pop- cops. They've actually all become worse people. Mm. Um, you know, people that I, I actually was quite close with at one time. And the more that I was around them after they became police, the more I realized that I didn't want to be around them anymore. The more I saw the way that that culture rubbed off onto them, the things that they would say to me because they thought it was safe to say something like that to me because probably the color of my skin. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I I just think it's an, an organization that is a failed organization that can be completely stripped down. It's been a gang for, probably over 200 years, it will continue to be a gang as long as we allow it to be a gang. Um, and yeah. I, I, Corey Piggy says no the same thing. You know, he says the same yeah. thing. He was like, MS, MS-13s, Bloods, Crips, all of them. He was like, we're the only gang where you make a call and 50 of us can be there in two minutes. Yeah, anyway, with no repercussion. Off, off, off yeah. the train, on the helicopter, the SWAT, like, we're, we're there. No, no, no gang can do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, Brother Brent. Um, yeah, I mean, I got a complicated relationship with police, you know, like um, because I've been in different places in my life. Like I've been growing up, my first encounter with police was getting kicked out the mall for nothing, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just standing next to a tree, me and my dudes at like 13, 14, going to the mall, trying to chase some girls. And then, then they'd be like, hey, y'all just got to leave. We're like, why? They're like, because I said so. Mm-hmm. And just feeling that feeling of help. It's like, damn. Alright, I call on going home now. You know? Um, but then, you know, later in life, I can't really say I had any bad like teenage experiences with them. Um most of my friends were were drug dealers and like you know, like all my best 
they always had a, a different kind of view on cops. They view cops almost like cat and mouse, mm. as opposed to now, mm-hmm. it's like it's like this 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 gang. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. is that is licensed by the state and can do what they want. Mm-hmm. Like, so almost kind of was influenced by that. Like, yeah, this is a game of cat and mouse, or a road runner and, and fucking. You know what I'm saying? And 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 wild yeah, coyote. Wally. And so yeah. every day we wake up and it's beep beep and we off to the races. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's what it was. That was the mentality that they kind of came up like, yeah, we know who they are. It's our job to outsmart them and not fuck with them and make sure that they don't fuck with us. So I never had an adversarial thing with cops. I've had interactions with cops where I almost stepped over a line. I had situations where I was about to squab somebody and maybe somebody stepped in or a cop came in across the street and, you know, it was, a, I could have been, I could have got fucked up because I was drunk. But outside of that, you know, some of my interactions have been, you know, I've been, I remember driving through campus here in Columbus and being profiled for no fucking reason. Mm. You know, a, a motherfucker saw me before I even got to him. I was like a block ahead. Before I even got there, he pulled up and was about to follow me, follow me for about four or five miles. Mm. My girlfriend mm. pulled, pulled over and then, you know, the girl I was with, she was Jewish. She cursed his ass out. I'm sitting there trying to be cool, like, <laughs> <laughs> you racist motherfucker, you've been broke. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, 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 can I share this? I just have to say, there's definitely a dichotomy. Like, we don't, we come up learning a certain way to talk to cops. So when we see our white friends or folks with us talk to cops, we just sit there like, exactly. It's, it's sometimes astonishing because we just can't. <laughs> Physically, I can't even do that. Unless, yeah. you know, was, was that Chris Rock or Chappelle did that skit about that where he was with his white friend? And they go, okay, yeah. What was that yeah. Chappelle? Yeah. I forget which one. Yeah, he, he did a skit about that. His friend Chip yeah. was like, he's like, Officer, I can't lie. I'm a little high right now. He's like, Chip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a big thing as a black man. Like, you got to, you when you come up in an environment where you view it as the cops as like, I don't know, some cat and mouse shit, some this, this force that I don't, I'll never have the trump card over. Mm. That we're not in a co-op, but then you're around people who view cops as servants of society. You know mm. what I'm saying? As my mm. neighbor who lived down the street, and I could talk to this fool and say what I want mm-hmm. uh, with no real repercussions. That shit'll freak you the fuck out. You'll be sitting mm. there like, please don't do this shit, because if somebody gets snatched out of his car, it's gonna be me. It's gonna be me. It ain't gonna be your little <laughs> ass. And so, no. so don't do that shit. But then you know, so that's just my early thing. Uh, with cops and then going to Cincinnati when I lived in Cincinnati you know in 2001 I believe it was that's when they had the race riots down there sure. and it was a, it was it was exactly like what we're seeing now where over a six-month period there were three killings of black men in police custody one got mm-hmm. killed uh he got he died in a cell uh three months later there was a, another dude who died of a chokehold and then the last one was the kid Timothy Thomas I think who got shot in the alley. Yeah, in the shot back. in the back too, right? Yeah, yeah shot in the back in the alley. He took off running, they shot him in the back. And he now the and it was one of those things where you could feel the tension rising every time something happened and a cop got off. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the time it got to that third one, all hell broke loose. But it was it was something where it's like, I'm coming out of work and you just hear commotion. And I remember mm. walking out of my job, which is where that kill me first song kind of came from, I walked out of my job and we we had a skyway so we could overlook everything that's going downtown. You just seen hundreds of kids running through the city, just breaking shit, destroying shit. 
Mm. And then by the time we got out of work, it was a line of like 200 cops on my side of the street and like 800 kids on the other side trying to get back to downtown. And, but I was parked where the kids were at. So I kind of had to get over there to just even get home. Mm. And that was the first night of it. And then it was the same thing, lockdown curfew for a week straight, 8 p.m., 7 p.m. curfew. So like this whole thing to me that's going on now, there's no difference except now I think that there are actually external forces with uh, agendas that are not pure, Mm. who are hired guns and are coming in and are escalating this for political purposes. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, and, and with it being an election year, we're seeing how that is, I think a lot of people are just trying to move black people to the ballot box, period. Mm, because yeah. they can make certain things popular at certain times. You know, like mm-hmm. just four days ago, motherfuckers were talking about they were getting outraged because people were seen at a pool in Florida. Right? Yeah. I don't know if you guys that's oh, this is yeah. a pool yeah. full of COVID. Oh man, I can't believe it's disgusting. Fuck Florida, right? It was like, I can't believe you're out there without a mask. That discussion three days later, that whole discussion is dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whole, What's I got, I got the media changed it. Yeah. yeah. Where's the where's the caravan? Shouldn't the caravans be here by now? Remember all the caravans around all the primaries, all the, South you know, America by feet. Yeah, right? they were coming they up. Were, they were they were they were taking everybody's yep. houses. They were up at the Hamptons. <laughs> Yeah, that that stuff just curious to me. I think they come back. They'll come back in October. And, yep, I'll, I'll get right before <laughs> yeah. election. Yeah, yeah, right before here. the election and right before us. the next outbreak of COVID. Exactly. They should be here helping us either fight the protesters with the protesters or fighting COVID. They should be up here. Yeah. Nah, that's all I'm saying. Nah, I'm, I'm nah. waiting. They might be the folks that were arrested in Minneapolis and St. Paul. South uh, yeah. dead sure. The, yeah, the ones from out of town. But yeah, it, it, it makes it makes me see like yo, the media can control. Oh. the overwhelming majority of people simply by what they decide is important. You yeah. know? And I'm not saying the shit ain't real, but it's like, there's a lot of money to be made off of this shit mm-hmm. from certain people. And it's a lot of money on the line. And sometimes I have to sit back and, and wait and not speak on it because I've seen it before. And I'm like, yo, we didn't have motherfuckers walking around with fucking incendiary devices, uh, in, nope. in 2001, dressed nope. as a, a unit, putting their agenda, we're going to go here. Like, like now you've got Antifa out there who's yeah. a well-organized machine who's going out destroying shit, subverting this shit. And that's more organized than anything any citizens can ever put together. You know right. what I mean? So it's a whole different thing now. And, and the shit gets mixed up. And to me, it's just the, the problem with the cops. It's fucked up. But it's like, man. All of this shit is muddying the water to where we can't even have a conversation about police right now because all of this bullshit is going on. And yep. it's and it's gonna continue to distract from the conversation. And it's it's fucked up because I've had if I if I count my interactions as a touring artist, I've had amazing interactions with police. Like I've had mm-hmm. cops do shit like I'll be out there with fixing a flat tire in negative five degree temperature, cops will pull over, stop the whole fucking freeway. Make you know, throw down some uh flares. I've had shit like that happen to me in Rare Groove at least five, ten times. Wow. wow. When I totaled total my van, a police officer, this is a crazy story. And this is one reason I'm like, yo, I have to be very tempered in how I speak about this. Was when I totaled my van, cops showed up. They helped us clean up everything out the street, right? And regular citizens. We're in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. So one cop is like, okay, where are you guys going? But we were, we were like, we don't even know how to get. They're like, okay, well, the next uh, town is Quad Cities. It's an hour away. Hmm. 
It's but they said, but there's a junkyard we can have your, your van taken to, and you can go there tomorrow and sort your stuff out and get it cleaned up and, and get what you need if you can figure out transportation. And so uh the the sergeant there, the older officer, he's like, yo, he tells one of the other guys, um, take them where they need to go. Uh, there, there's a hotel, whatever. This police officer proceeds to throw on uh the the lights, the sirens. And drive us seventy miles, damn, wow, to the to the fucking Quad Cities airport. Took us into the into the airport as if we were fucking Kanye West. Damn. Walked, stayed with us while we were at the rent a car thing to make sure we got a car, and to make sure we got checked in. People were looking at us like, who are these guys with the police escort? He did all that shit for us. He didn't have to do that shit while we were driving over there. This is what's even crazier. He he pulls up his phone, right? I'm in the back seat, damn near in tears. You know what I mean? Because I just yeah. it's traumatic. You know, we just went the van five times. We thought we was about to die. Tours basically over. And he holds up the phone and he's like, "Yo, is this you?" And it's a and it's his phone. He's got uh, the perspective music video loaded. Wow! Get out of here! Wow! And he's like, "Is this you?" I'm like, "Yeah." And I, my head was down. I didn't know he had been playing it. He's like. Did you write this? I said, yeah. He said, that is incredible. He said, um, my boss picked up your card at the scene of the accident and got on Google and started searching for you to see what you were about. And he sent this to me. And that's why we were taking you all the way out here. You know what I mean? Like that shit had me so fucked up because I never had an interaction like that with cops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it just fucked me up. So then, as a homeowner living in predominant neighborhood, my biggest problem with the cops is that they don't come fast enough. You know what I'm saying? If I need a percent, that's it. I'm just like, y'all take too long. But I've had to call police. I called the police yesterday. They actually came faster. It was just because a young dude was in the street acting like he didn't want to get out of the street. Some 18-year-old dude just acting stupid. Whenever a car come down the street, he leaning out there with his ass like he wanted to block the traffic. <laughs> I called the cops. They actually came in like three or four minutes because they had just come through there. I was like, oh, shit, this is unprecedented. Mm. And uh, but it's complicated, you know, but like I understand that. When in doubt, I'm not going to be given the benefit of the doubt in most situations. Mm. So how I conduct myself around police is with a lot of strategy, because I know how quickly a situation can escalate when people are looking at you like waiting on you to turn up poke your chest out say something they don't like because these motherfuckers have been trained or conditioned to look for the worst in people especially Mm. people that look like me so i go into it thinking you're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt because i already know what the fuck it is ain't none of the uh, all these black men got killed they didn't get the benefit of the doubt no, they didn't get they didn't get the, the benefit to de-escalate. You know what I mean? To, to be like, you know what, man, you having a bad day. Just get out of here and we'll call it a day. They didn't get that. No. You know what I mean? Like that's the benefit of the doubt that even though I've had great interactions, I know. So I'm always on my P's, you know. But that's it. That's dope, man. Whew, this is good shit, fellas. So, well, I, I think maybe instead of doing regular style breaks this time, we should, because um, we all, like, we had homework 
mm-hmm. to come to this with a song that we thought. So like maybe that should be the breaks this time through. Because so. it's kind of like, you know, a serious episode. Um, so does anybody want to talk about their song first or? I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll do mine real quick. The, uh, yeah. I, picked, I picked Big L, Fat Joe, The Enemy. Um, this, this joint is like top three Big L verse ever. And uh, Preem, Preem opened, I think he opened the versus battle with this joint, which I was like, whoa. Because um, it's not just like, you know, a, a ringing off of the tunnel type of record. But uh, the enemy, Fat Joe and Big L talking about cops messing with them, profiling them and getting at them. And, and Big L using that like perfect Harlem, like multi-syllabic thing where you memorize it right away, even though he's saying something really powerful, where he nope. says... What's the, the the last line? He he, I've I quoted so many times. He says, he says, um, he says something about like I I don't sell I don't sell coke anymore. I do tours, so get that flashlight out of my face, bring me down to Jake's, so do whatever it takes here. Word up. The Federals got my phone up my house trap, praying that I fall for the mouse trap. I doubt that. That's it. So yeah. but I'm gonna ride with the, the beat is hard, and the song is just Joe and. Big L going in, and then Fat Joe. Enough's enough. Fender Rouse trying to set me up. So yeah, we're gonna hit with that one, and we'll come back with the episode about cops, pop right. culture. Pockets get thick. Hey yo, why do I end up in so much shit? I done came way 
So let's just try to see and weed out the whole cancerous tumor. Take out this whole department, maybe, because there might be six of them in cahoots. That's why they've been able to get away with things. And slap them on the wrist like they're supposed to. You can't get rewarded for bad behavior. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, look, even if we compromise, and let's just treat it as an organizational hazard. If you kill somebody unjust while you're a police officer, you get fired and go to jail for three to 24 months. That's just what happens. If you're a construction worker and you accidentally run somebody over with a bulldozer, you might get some months for some manslaughter stuff. It was an accident, but somebody lost their life. And I bet you if you could mess with their money immediately, then maybe some cops would really institute some training and think, well, maybe I can't shoot this person lethally because I'll be suspended for six months right. and I lose my job. Just like people don't want to mess up. I didn't want to mess up on my job making Xerox copies. This might be my second write-up. It's mm -hmm. inconsequential on the big thing. If I tell, if I complain to my friends about it, they're like, what? I mean, you know, mm. we have paper all day, but it still should be a consequence of a job that has lethal consequences itself. You can get in immediate trouble when you shoot somebody unlawfully once you do the research. But like Alaska alluded to, we're going to protect you and coddle you, kind of pat you on the back and bring your PTSD down. Mm -hmm. And if you reward bad behavior, we know that with children, I might just do it again. Mm -hmm. Why not? I just yeah, want and, to and the worst part about tonight real quick is, the, and Prince said this about the media, and right before we got on, my wife showed me this fascinating article. I, I should have bookmarked it about a person who studies like media and has like a master's, I forget what it was. And they were just saying how the media will side with the impending and post violence of acts like this rather than what actually caused it because mm -hmm. the media wants the status quo to remain because they have shareholders, they have business throughs to run. They need the norm to be what it is. So they need to show how horrific all this violence from protesters is compared to what popped off and led to it all. So I just want to throw it out there real quick. Mm -hmm. Well, well, building on what Castro was saying, so that was the, the, the ruling of qualified immunity. It's basically a ruling that allows that any public official cannot be held personally accountable when something goes wrong while doing the duties of their 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 said mm -hmm. job so right. if a cop kills somebody on the job he can't lose his house right so you can mm. get arrested you can go to jail but you can't lose your house you can't lose your your finances you can't be sued you can't be basically in any civil way you cannot be taken taken down for your actions whereas if you are a construction worker and you do that you can lose your house because you can be sued so mm -hmm. actually right now there are, are 10 cases that are up in front of the Supreme Court to challenge the qualified immunity rule, which wow. I think was set up in like 1982 or something like that. But, you know, I think if, if you look at like sort of libertarian politics, they see this as one of the most detrimental rules to finding true justice against with police departments, because they're not going to reform unless they are held personally accountable. And right. it's just like people in general, right? Like you're not going to get better at a test if nobody tells you that you're going to get in trouble. If your parents don't take away your PlayStation every time you fail a test, mm -hmm you're not going to worry about it. It's when mm -hmm. you start losing things that you're like, shit, I better take care of this. Right. So it's, it's almost, it's, it's a system that's set up that they don't have to actually feel anything perfect personally. So they don't give a shit. But it's also, if you look at the, the cop that killed uh, um, George Floyd, he had 12 accounts 
of massive violence against people. If you and that's what I said about up, that bullet point. He has repeated yeah. abusive behavior with impunity. Yeah, like I mean, like he's shot like seven people. That's crazy. Yep. He he okay. killed people in a car chase. Like he's Sometimes he's a serial killer. Once some cops Dude. break down shooting once. This guy's yeah. a professional. And did you yeah. get a woman that the nightclub owner that employed both of them? Oh yeah, their security overlapped. They worked at the same time. They worked at, yeah. and she said he was the one, that cop was the one that would get aggressive with people and kick patrons out quick and be oh, a fighting. Loved and so, oh, so she knew as a person who had him part-time that he was the hothead. He was Wait, the hothead. Okay. There's another thing. So the Asian cop that was ushering away, if everybody remembers the video, the one that was telling everybody back up to the, to the street in the main video that we've seen, mm-hmm. his sister is married to that cop. Was she's leaving him? Filed for divorce today or yesterday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this. Like, you see, so many times when something like this happens, the family and friends stand behind him. But it's like this time, there's you know, there's an actual footage of him calmly sitting on this man's neck, yeah, talking to him shit. calmly, with his hands in his pocket, just like yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's a fucking murder a- maniac. Tuesday What's for that? me. It's a Tuesday for me. I don't know why yeah. y'all. Yeah, so I, I think when, when your family sees that and they actually see who you really are, there's no mm. way that they can stay with you. Like, I, I think if you don't see it, you can justify it to yourself. Yeah. It was self-defense. You know, like, just the way that for, what, generations, police have been mm-hmm. reporting any sort of murder, that it's a case of self-defense. It's always Perfect. self-defense. Justified. It goes a long way. When people get caught with insurance fraud or Ponzi schemes, yeah. They got shame. They had to rebuild, yeah. you know, so it, it discourages people wanting to do that. But if, you, if you're if you watching TV and you're at 12, you're at 14 year old, you're kind of frustrated. And you see, hey, cops kind of get away with murder, mm. you know, if they work in a decent department. Why wouldn't that subconsciously just be on you? All right, you know, I'll mm. do this job. Like I said, they should be psychologists. They should have those degrees. People not like being able to handle mm-hmm. people because that's the currency you deal with. When I used to work with um, children, I had caseworkers. The, the coursework that we would have to maintain your job would be people skills, interacting, LGBT-sensitive mm-hmm. yeah. courses. So you could know when somebody comes into your office off the street, you can handle the 50 different types of people that might do that. Cops mm-hmm. should be equipped that way, too. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with different types of people all day under different circumstances. But, the, but again, when I see a white guy waving a knife, there's no imminent fear. They just kind of back up. Mm-hmm. They kind of let them flail all over themselves. They don't pull off. You know, they're not firing unless they just don't do it. And then yeah. when I see a black couple in the car, they get lit up with 32, 34 yeah. shots. Everybody's on the hood. It's it's disparaging. It's 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 disconcerting because so disparaging. The way fear is so massaged into it. I was fearing for my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and it's, uh, it's the excuse that's often used. Like, what about the woman who went into somebody else's apartment? Yeah. Like a cop in Texas. When she thought it was her crib? Went from the homeboy's house. And then then tried to to use the defense of, I was scared. Right. Who was he? He was sitting in his drawers eating cereal. Yeah, who was more scared? (laughs) But but then on top of that, this is how despicable they are. They tried to say he had pot in his apartment. Remember that? He had a a doobie ashtray. I'm like, come on, bro. Who gives a fuck? It's his house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It blows my mind. In most of these situations, let's just be real, they back up or they come on the scene, they're, they have the upper hand. They usually have a gun drawn or a person subdued 
or they outnumber them. So what is this fear about when but, you supposedly have the situation yeah. in hand? You but have to like, back up the angles. You, people can't jump out the car on you, but you're scared to death. Yeah. It doesn't make some, some not, the logic. But, it, is, it, but it's like you said, Curly, like you pointed out earlier, how like you got police who are working in areas and communities that they honestly don't know shit about beyond television mm-hmm. and rap music, mm-hmm. right? So if you got motherfuckers who literally have never lived in those communities, don't have no rapport with the people there, they don't even have a rapport with the, the law-abiding element of those communities. Mm. So every time they come into these communities, it's not about uh, establishing a rapport, getting the community involved to help me. It's about all I see is criminals. And it, it's, it goes to that saying, like, if your only tool is a hammer, everything starts There's to look nail. like a nail, yep. right? That's basically summarizes these cops. Yep. When you're used to assuming everybody is a fucking criminal, everybody mm-hmm. looks like a criminal because you have nothing. You have no rapport with normal people. You have no rapport with the people who call the cops. Yeah on the criminal element in their communities. Sometimes we hear about the people that call them and they end up getting shot somehow. Oh, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucked up. But, but that's, that's yeah. and so, so these police who don't know shit and are assuming the worst, they are actually, actually acting out of fear. Mm. They, they legit are, are, but they're paralyzed by something that's not even really real. It's their perceptions mm-hmm. of mm. what the reality is before they even get to it. You right. know, I watched this, uh, this uh this uh, MMA video, the Gracie brothers, they do these these breakdowns, oh, and they, they have this initiative where they're going to train police uh, precincts from the United States because of this. So this has been going on for a few years, and so they have this thing called a Gracie Combatives, and the main thing is they're teaching fifty cops at a time how to not use lethal force and still control people. And the main thing that they pointed out, they say, these police are scared because they only have one tool, and that is lethal force. Mm. They don't know that you, how to restrain somebody and hold them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. How, to, how to take someone to the ground and control them in top position. Yep. No chokes that are not lethal. They don't know how to, you know what I'm saying? They don't know how to move, how to, how to, how to, how to reverse if they mm. are in a bad position. So because they don't know, they don't have the vocabulary. They don't have right. a non-lethal vocabulary of interaction. Right. Yeah. Right. They only have gun. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's the language they speak. And, yeah. and illegal lethal hold. That's and, when, and when you slap the Punisher fucking logo on your car, I know that about you. Totally. Yeah. totally. And then, when, and then you know what's been weird to me? Maybe you guys know this too. It's weird to me. And, and I've, I've seen a dealt with some cops like that look like this and are polite and pleasant but it still makes me nervous when they got the sleeve tattoo yeah dude listen tattoos are everywhere now but when i see a, an officer with a sleeve tattoo i'm like you look threatening yeah you know i mean and so you can be as polite as possible but when i see you falling off with, with the gun on that and then the sleeve whatever it is in there it could be some kites in there like when they get to sleeve and there's a lot of space to cover sometimes yeah. they make some imagery that they quote-unquote, don't know what it is, but okay. it, it'll be there. Okay. Oh, here's a list I, I want to throw always, There's always a shredded American flag in there somewhere. 
<laughs> you like Jeremy Shockey. You yeah, like they, 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 and help me out. It's always this eagle. It's very violent. So it's holding <laughs> yeah. one of its claws. Like no, it's, 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 not, it's never like Mighty Mouse. It's like it's like it's like a ghost skull. Like they hold arrows and, and shredded American flags, and they're looking proudly like, are they gonna eat me? Like oh, I'm chill. I, I grew up with pigeons. You know, you know what I'm saying. So, so here, here's the last thing I want to hit with this bullet point. Then, then we'll take our next break. And this, so again, this is from an organizational standpoint in this article. They say, here it is, metrics place more value on crime solved, arrests made, and tickets rather than diffusing dangerous situations. So it says, by rewarding aggressive actions, which may even be dubbed heroic, the system undergrids a style of policing that can escalate police-citizen confrontations. What's the incentive? Aggression. Yeah. That's how you well, I, I mean, look at how many, you, like th this was a big thing in Ferguson, but I've seen this up here because I've been pulled over times driving on the Taconic Highway, which is this highway driving in upstate New York. You get pulled over and they're like, you know, I pulled you over. I'm like, yeah, I was speeding. Mm -hmm. They're like, you were one mile over what I would normally pull somebody over for, but come in and we'll just change the, the ticket for you. Like, you know, plead guilty. Mm -hmm. Or you know whatever it is, they'll they'll like change it from a speeding ticket so you don't get points right. to okay. what yep. they call parking on pavement. This is what happened to me. So I, I showed up. I was like, all right, I don't want to get points because that's going to cost me more money. Mm -hmm. So I show up. The speeding ticket would have been sixty dollars if I just mm -hmm. paid that. I showed up. There's thirty five other people that have this same thing, same cop. <laughs> Every single person pled not guilty okay, here's your charge, parking on pavement. Will you plead guilty to that? Yes, $150. Whoa. So it's basically they're financially incentivized to bring people in, to interact with people, to engage with people because they're raising money for the town instead of making people pay taxes. So mm. we're paying for your town and you're also putting people in the presence of police who in often cases can, you know, are rewarded for violence. So it's like this cycle of putting people in contact with police that you don't need to put in contact with police to raise revenue for your town. Right. And it, that's what happened in Ferguson. They looked at Ferguson. There was um, just basically like, I think it was like $1.2 million in some instances. But they were basically yeah. ticketing and fining people to finance Ferguson. Yeah, and they got a small population there too. It was yeah. only like, what, 60,000 yeah. or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they were going nuts. Like um, five miles long. Like they were able to um, shut off Ferguson. It, it's yeah. like a road in, one road out. They were able to cut it off at, at a certain point. But I mean, look, I'll be the first to say, and I know we'll go to break. I'll be the first to say it's not an easy job. I don't think a fireman is an easy job. I have a friend that's a fireman. No. I can't running into something, you know, a blaze and stuff like that. But I definitely think as corrupt as the job has gotten over time, even the meaning has got lost. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody wanted to protect their neighborhood or, you know, do some good. And it just comes to, it just, it's, it's sad to me that it got twisted that quick. I don't know any cops. Do. I don't know what they want to do. I don't know why they want to do. Some of them I know because they had bills. I used to work at a job, at a place that um, employed folk. They were sitting there with a table. Top top two lines, 58000 a year. Mm -hmm. All of those yeah. type. Top two, top two lines, how much money you make, time off, 
benefits. Yeah. Benefits. Twenty I mean, years in, you're done. Yeah, you get to for kick life. ass. Yeah, mm. you get to kick people's ass. Never go to jail for it. Crazy yeah. benefits. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure cops got groupies too. So. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably and a bad job. Your, la- your last couple of years, your pension is based on your last couple of years, so you work a ton of overtime. So you're set. Mm. Bump your pay up to what more than what it should be. Oh, yeah, make, make a six five. figures. Cool. You got the people paying for you. And to, to me, that's the thing that's most frustrating, right? We're financing these people's lives from age, say, 42 until they die. Mm. And they got the nerve to ask us, who are we to question your tactics? Mm. We're your motherfucking bosses. That's who we are. So that's why we can question your tactics. If we don't like the way that you're doing something, we have a right to address it because we're the ones that are paying for you, paying for your fucking entire life. Mm. So fuck off if you got a problem with us asking you a question. I got a problem with you kneeling on someone's neck. Bomb. All right, let's Let's go to... And it's apropos. It's actually Cat on the Pod song. My brother Blueprint great, made a great song on an album called 1988. It's called yes. Kill Earth featuring um, CJ the Center. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, brother Blueprint did the beat, as you can well tell. And it's just, when did you, when did you drop 1988? 2005. Oh, great. And it's like the message always is right on time, no matter how many years we go past. Yeah. I knew 2014, same thing about Ferguson. Mm. So uh, just let's drop kill me first. Bomb. Raising optimism, it only takes one shot to take what we got to give to life and make your body start to stiffen. It's a shame that we each gotta lose loved ones before we see tomorrow's not given. As sure as the sun shines, I'll go for mine. So when I die, at least I'll know that I died living. Tim Thomas ran from two cops out to get him into a dark alley. Then two shots hit him. Another in a city killing nobody. Witness swept under the rug as official police business. I see his mom's on television pleading and crying telling cops to stop killing and call now the youth that choose not to listen one life one love but all we got is vengeance now they're on a burn down the sin city mission looking for the pigs that lick shots and got missing you know it's chaos even if you don't hear it because the air smells like gun smoke and team spirit wherever it's going down i want to be near it when a thousand stand as one you start to feel fearless enough to walk across hot cold no matter how Peep the shot sweeps. Have you ever had your spot ready for dope? Couches, rip glass. 
kitchen cabinet Just to find these stupid motherfuckers had the wrong apartment No apologies or nothing Left my mother in tears after scrambling to get it destroyed A life scarring was bad enough my hope was roaring Hell I even smile when the cop caught it running sloppy and crossfire Hoping that she died in hallway piss Retribution for my feelings of being cuffed to a fence Harassed in front of China night dropping my fire white She asked about some fucking colors But ain't no grips from where I reside On one occasion walking the Oscar threatened by a dick Talking about we walking down the wrong blocks Now that I think about it, was the first time that I saw a clock Up a loaded black barrel at eye level These motherfucking heathens And I seen it in the bitch's racist face that she wanted to pull Her image burned inside my mind forever Until I have yet to tell my seeds Kanisha still believes And I'm praying it's an occupation she don't want to ever see A living in my cousin was simple enough to be And ever since a child that made a lifelong enemy of me Shit, you have to kill me first Before I get inside the paddy wagon You took too many of my people Nobody knows what happened You'll have to kill me first Before I get inside the paddy wagon You took too many of my people Nobody knows what happened Cops put a hurting on your ass, man, you know They really degrade you White folks don't believe that shit Don't believe cops degrade you Oh, come on, those beatings Those people are resisting arrest I'm tired of this harassment of police officers. The police live in your neighborhood, see? And you be known them as Officer Timpson. Hello, Officer Timpson, going bowling tonight? Yes, huh? Nice pinto you have. <laughs> Niggas don't know I'm like that. See, white folks get a ticket. Hey, I'm glad to be of help. Nigga got to be talking about, I am reaching into my pockets for my license. Because I don't want to be no motherfucking accident. And we're back. We're back. All right, so right. you want to hit us with the next yeah, point? The next bullet point to be laced with, because um, no one on, on any podcast has ever said that. It is legal rules impede police learning from deadly errors. So Alaska talked about this at the beginning, um, and both you guys, uh, Castro and Print, have talked about it too, little parts of each of your, uh, your diatribes, which are awesome, about... The rules, the laws, what cops can get away with. So in this Harvard Business Review piece, it says, okay, so it talks about, you know, police have, they have to face life-threatening situations requiring split-second decisions for their own safety. Sure. Now, here's where it gets interesting. It says, we have to understand how legal rules operate. Police officers are not judged with 20-20 hindsight. They are permitted to apply a level of force that is, quote, justified under the circumstances as they appeared at the time of the confrontation. Force will be deemed justified even if the officer's reasonable at the time judgment turns out to have been mistaken. This explains the heartbreaking instances in which force is found to be legally justified when police officers mistakenly shoot dead an unarmed suspect who only appeared to be reaching for a gun. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the bull point. So it's even when they're doing things announced on camera, like I don't know if you guys saw uh, Governor Cuomo in New York today talk about that. It's only like a minute where he said, like, I stand with the protesters. Yeah, I saw that. Because he was just like, Rodney King was 30 years ago. Amadou Diallo was 20 years ago. Like, Mike Brown, Eric Garner, he's like, this has always been on camera and there's no progress. <laughs> like, what the hell? So, of course, I stand with the protesters. So this this whole idea of what is deemed justified and reasonable, it protects them even if what they did was unreasonable. 
So, so I'm gonna share a little story about a cop digging me something reasonable. So I was we was at a party, Zilla's party, at his house. I was there. How many people were there? We probably had like twenty people there. It was the Fourth of July in the city, and in Philly during that time, like almost everybody dips out. People go down to shore, they go somewhere else. Like people are not really in the city, but we had like a Fourth of July party. The on South Street, which is our part, one of the most popular streets in the city, so there's plenty of people walking back and forth. Right. I was one of the only black people there. It was a Hispanic dude. That's it. And then a, a real, real tall, overweight, like heavy oh. white dude. Real, real tall white dude. And, they, and, they, and Zilla, they you know, that's about it in terms of like the multiculturalism of the event. Um, and it was a lot of girls there, more girls than guys. So if anybody remembers, uh, Fred, you remember those um, those little crackers you could throw to the ground and they pop? Little snap of like, like, like white joints. <laughs> yeah. So we had a bunch of those. It's 4th of July, so we're throwing them to the ground now. Zilla lives on the, he has a, a balcony, so we're on the second floor balcony, tossing them to the ground, right? Some people come by and want to want to get some. So I reach over and drop some down to people reaching up. It's revelry. Hey, 4th of July, whatever, yeah, right? Drinking. There's a cop on a bike. Start there. Bike cops are notoriously for being Napoleonic for some damn reason. <laughs> cop on a bike, he kind of rides around. He's kind of motioning to us, but nobody's paying him any mind. There's a bunch of cops riding around. He'll come to find out this cop is pretty familiar with this type of activity. Mm-hmm. He drives around the block again, mind you, we're outside. Mm-hmm. And then he starts kind of yelling and motioning to us. And I still don't remember what he was saying. I ain't gonna lie to you. I don't remember what he was saying to us up there. He wasn't really even giving directions. But eventually, he rings Zilla's doorbell. And at that moment, he extends his baton. I'll never forget that sound. He goes, Mm. But when I'm talking about somebody dictating what's going on, so he's already feeling some type of way. You come to find out this cop is a fucking dick. And I'm, calling, I'm pulling up news about him as you're talking. calling his partners and telling them what's going on, therefore dictating this scene. So they're rolling up to him, and he is already he, he's already set the stage. Oh, they're up there throwing stuff at people. He, he said he, he said you said you guys were cursing him out. That we cursed him out. And we like, really didn't. Talk do to him. Yeah, we didn't talk to him. That's why I don't remember what he said. They come storming into the crib. Zilla has like two, three floors, so they have to come up through the first floor. Up and, and mind you, the precinct is two blocks from my house. So they're there like that. Wagon. It is like five, six cops inside the party now. With, with, with vests and a, and a stick. All of them have their batons extended. Looking to crack somebody, seems like. I'm old school. And everybody knows I'm a little older. So I was taught how to act with cops. I don't move. I'm not going to be the one, some sudden movement or whatever. So I'm on the balcony, but because I was working the grill all day. So I've been yeah, on the grill. Yeah. So I'm but but I'm near the door now, not by the edge where, where the street is. And I see the cops come all in and I just stop and just sit there and don't move or don't do nothing because I, I don't know what's going on. They start reprimanding everybody inside, like they're doing us a favor, telling us something. I don't know what they're telling us. Mm-hmm. So then that's when he notices me out there. One of them may say, get in here. Mm-hmm. Come inside with everybody past the screen door. Something happened where this cop wasn't satisfied because they were about to leave. And he says, nope, 
he handcuffs the Mexican dude. He handcuffs the big white dude. Now, here's the kicker. Like I told you, I don't move. So I, I'm standing where I'm at. I'm kind of behind where the cops are doing their whole thing. They're handcuffing them to So I'm just standing there. He's looking around, looking around the party, looking, looking, looking. And I'm literally behind him at this point. He turns his all the way around. He says, oh, yeah, you, you too. Handcuffs me, takes me downstairs. Disorderly conduct charges and all that shit. Um, we go to court. We find out that this cop is responsible for 46 of us down there. It's him. Mm-hmm. He arrested all of us, gave us death tickets, all of us, this motherfucker. Officer Gress. Yes. Escalating the situation, making it worse, running in somebody's crib. You don't know what could happen. I'm just saying, you don't know what. It was very strange, this guy. And here's and, the craziest part. When he showed up, one of my best friend's brothers worked that beat on South Street. And I said to this dude, he was outside my house. I said, yo, do you know officer such and such? He said, yeah, why? I said, is he working right now to try to get him to intervene? He's like, he's not. But even if he was, that's not going to help you. And the person I'm talking about is a highly decorated cop who's won bravery awards and all this. So then the, 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 the attitude that night of the other police were like rolling their eyes like, here we go with this dude. Because they all knew what it was. We have the body language was like. Up in there. He didn't want to anybody. He didn't explain what was going on because the fact that there was no declaration of what even was going on or what we mm-hmm. even did wrong, it was just I'm just coming in there playing any meeny miny mo, right. but I'm gonna get the black nigga by his toe and make sure I got him a handcuff. They yeah, take me enough. down, and then check this out. I ain't finished, y'all. We get to court, and like I told you, there's 40 plus of us in there directly for him within that same time period. When I go there to the pretrial, everybody's like, yeah, that officer is fucking me. I'm like, yo, you too? Everybody's chiming in and shit. This motherfucker got to be stopped and all this shit. When we mm-hmm. get to court, things were said. Some people said they weren't, they were here, they weren't there. I ain't even going to get into that, right? But the big white kid gets off with a slap on his wrist. When he walks out the double doors, Officer Gress is out there. And he says to him, told you I'd take care of you. Wow. Big white Looking at him like, what are you? Like, confused. But the fact that he had the audacity to be outside saying that, oh, I arrested you too, but you ain't going to get in trouble. Me and the Mexican kid got nine months probation. Or six months, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And I had to go work in the soup kitchen. The whole wow. But anyway, the long story short with this fucker is he, he had so many charges brought up on him, upwards of 30, he eventually got sued and fired. Well, he, and here's what funny. Here's what crazy happened within a year or two of that situation with us. He went viral on the same block, almost in front of my old crib because I moved out by this point. We had like on that area, we had like an Oktoberfest where they would shut down that block and have, you know, beer vendors because across the street was like a German brew house. He went viral because there was a drunk dude who was older, you know, popping off being drunk, white, older white man. He got in this dude's face all up on him. And where I used to live, the first floor was all like, glass blocks he cornered this dude up against the glass block screaming in his face antagonizing and inflaming him in front of his wife to where the dude was backed into a corner and there's 300 people everywhere and everyone's looking and standing to where he's threatening him screaming at him so what does the man do smacks him dude then grabs his older man and just starts pummeling him on the ground same cop he did everything he could to get that reaction from that man 
to where that went viral. Same cop. And now as we're talking, I'm looking up stuff from him. In 2019, he beat up a protester at an ICE protest in Philly. And they settled for 10 grand before trial. Same cop. So this goes into our bullet points. And you actually paid for that, not him. Exactly. You and Castro. He didn't pay anything. He didn't do anything. Yeah. The police force. That that happened. Our incident was what, 2010? This dude's been doing this for the last 10 years still. When you have rabid dogs at the leash, you know, it just makes you got to fight off the rabid dog before you even get to that overseer. And that's what they that's what they want them to do. Just go out there, gnash at your teeth, threaten, flex, push, like, you know what I'm saying? Because they they did they're trying to recapture whatever fear they have that they they evoke. And it's just it doesn't make any sense. Well, look where it's derived. But all he has to say is it was justified, I felt threatened. Yeah, look where they you know, officer, the word comes from overseer. It's getting crazy out there. Mm-hmm. We are under curfew in Philadelphia, fire trucks in my neighborhood. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Comes from the word overseer. When a high mm-hmm. horse, high up, slave driver. Sometimes they were actual slaves. They were given this false sense of power in order to drive. It's just that you can't change that into a job. That's not going to turn into a constable. You know what I'm saying? When I think mm-hmm. of a constable, I think of a motherfucker swinging his baton, walking, walking a beat, talking to people. You mm-hmm. know who that is. Officer Danny. That's very important. People knew who the teachers were in the neighborhood that taught at the schools. They would meet each other at the bakery. Mm. Some would become friends, some wouldn't. But if you didn't have a cop that lived in that neighborhood, like Prince saying, they're alien invaded. They don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But again, I, 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 I'm trying not to be all fire breathing. But my point being is just, it's very inherently flawed. And it's like, we just built on top of that floor, on top of that floor. There's no help for any foundation. Something needs to go. Something to change. I don't know what that is. Well, I mean, I, th- I think there's something too that that isn't really being addressed in the country. We're and I think Castro, you might have said this earlier, like an you know, offhanded comment, that we're still policing communities like it's 1980s crack epidemic or 1970s you know, crime wave. He said crime that. is lower in this country than it's right. ever been. Yep. And we're still like militarized. Police are more militar- militarized, have bigger budgets, and are more violent than they have ever been. Mm-hmm. I grew up in 80s New York. So yeah. I sympathize. I know what it was like. It was rough. The trains were scary. They were frightening in some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cops had to, you know, they, they, but it's like the, that. But then in LA, the Rampart Division, the, they, these things they did in times of ultimate duress when the cops were actually losing. Yeah. But these are the things that that we see in in this country when you empower like a government agency, mm-hmm. it never goes away. Right. Mm. It never it never shrinks back to what it's supposed to. And furthermore, when you create laws that are supposed to be used for a specific instance, mm-hmm. like the Patriot Act is supposed to be used to security. monitor terrorism and national security, it's actually now used to like get drug dealers. It, yep, and look at your it's Google. a law. Once it's a law, it's used. It trickles down into all law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So it's like until we really address that, it doesn't matter because this problem persists regardless of the administration that's in the White House, regardless of the administrations that are managing these cities, regardless of the administrations that are managing states. It could be a Republican administration. It could be a Democratic administration. 
mm-hmm. problems still persist because this is an organization that has the autonomy to do so within the system and has been empowered by the system to do these things. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like what you were saying that it, it's a culture of sort of what was it that there, there are no rules or regulations that will take them down. Right. Yeah. So, and justified. then there's no oversight. Yeah. Not, not nothing. Nothing that sticks. No. I look. If you, I mean, it has to be egregious for it to stick. So, like, this dude is going to go away. He's yes. going to go away. Like, there was a, a case in Brooklyn. Um, I forgot the, the guy's name. It was like a Kai something. He was uh, a gentleman who was basically taking the stairs out of his building. And the cops were patrolling the building. A rookie cop was told to not go into the building until backup comes. He decided to go in. He crossed paths with this gentleman walking yep. down the stairs. He was walking yep. up. He got scared shot him yep. and killed him yep. he ended up getting convicted for second degree murder i think but it has to be something that egregious yes where you know the cop disobeys orders mm-hmm. then goes and kills somebody that was just minding their goddamn business mm-hmm. like it has to be that egregious for a cop to get arrested if you got they killed eric garner eric garner did not get arrested they if you lose their jobs five grand if they tax you five grand every time yeah shot somebody and they actually died you keep your job it would slow down mm. it slow down or if you do something like that and you, you and your family can lose their house mm. can lose their savings could lose everything you're gonna there question it more i'm telling you people be shot in the knees all day <laughs> yes <laughs> like like in terminator 2 remember that when he like john connor makes him not lethal he's just like shoot everybody in the legs look when i saw that movie <laughs> My theater clapped when they said across the screen, zero casualties on the yeah. screen said, casualties, zero. And everybody was like, woo! <laughs> really, really, really weird, yeah. Uh, uh, Print, did you pick a song? Yeah, but I wasn't sure if Tim, if I picked one somebody else already had. So I picked um, main source friendly game of baseball. Nice one. I, okay, yeah, if... Uh, but I can pick something else. If, if no, no, are. take that one. That's good because I, I picked it as well, but take it. Okay, I, yeah, have, I have other ones that I was thinking about. So. <laughs> All right, I was, was going to cool. say fuck the police by Dilla, but I was like, yeah. somebody's going to take that one. So let me just. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little direct. Yeah, I'm like, that's just too literal. Like somebody's going <laughs> to. But yeah, I mean, that song has, has always been like, I mean, as a writer, I think is fucking large professor's yeah. best writing of his uh, rap yeah. career. You know, it's like one of the best, you know, metaphorical songs ever written, you know, about rap, especially from that era. So and then it's apt, you know, like, hey, to the to the cops shooting brothers is like playing baseball. And they're never in a slump, you know, yeah. like <laughs> RBI, real bad injury. Oh, yeah. But don't get excited. You're in jail for a century. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> like yeah. like it's it just got so many dope lines. So that's that's my choice. That's funny. I, I was playing. I was just playing that album like last week before all of this hit. Because when in quarantine, I'm like, I mean, my wife working remote. I'm doing like homeschooling. I got like times of the day when I take my son. I'm like, all right, now we're gonna play basketball. We're gonna play dodgeball. We're gonna do YouTube kid workouts, which I recommend all parents. They have all these YouTube workouts for kids, like eight minute high intensity workouts, <laughs> burn their ass. So I just happened to play the main source record. I was like, man, I haven't listened to this in so long. And we're playing basketball, and that song came on. I was like, "God damn, this is so good, man! This this shit is timeless." So I yeah. wish we weren't, you know, having to think about it and talk about it right now. But that yeah. that song's gonna be around forever. So we'll take a All break right. with that. About that, yeah. Take a break. Well, friendly game of baseball. Oh 
shit, another young brother hit I better go over my man's crib and get the pump Cause to the cops shooting brothers is like playing baseball And they're never in a slump I guess when they shoot up a crew it's a grand slam And when it's one it's a home run But I'ma be ready with a wild pitch My finger got a bad twitch Plus I wanna switch sides And step up to the baddest box Fuck red and white, I got on black socks But let them shoot a person from the white socks What's the call? Foul ball Babe Ruth would've made a good cop, but he didn't Instead he was a bigot, dig it My life is valuable and I protect it like a gem Instead of cops shooting me, I'm going out shooting them And let them cough up blood like phlegm It's grim, but that is my antonym And legally they can't take a fall Yo, check it out, it's just a friendly game of baseball But don't get happy, you're in jail for a century Just as bad as being shot in the groin To see who'll shoot ya, they'll flip a coin And watch it run for the stretch But you don't know the man is at home waiting to make the catch So the outfield, the guns you down, you're out Off to the dugout, underground I know a cop that's savage His pockets stay green like cabbage Cause he has a good batting average No questions, just pulls out the flamer And his excuses get lamer once a brother tried to take a lead But they shot him in his face saying he was trying to steal a base And people watched the news for coverage on the game And got the nerve to complain They need to get themselves a front row seat Or save the baseline for a beat Cause television just ain't designed for precision y'all It's just a friendly game of baseball Or the government I guess they kicked him out the game And replaced him with a pinch hitter And the scam he was a quitter So the cops usually torment I mean tournament Win him I was saying You can't let the umpires hear you Speaking battle like the other kids You won't be playing Cause they'll beat you till your ass drop A walking gun with a shell in his hand Is their mascot When you run around let it be noticed Step lightly The bases are loaded My man got out from three strikes in the skull, but the knife he was carrying was dull. Instead of innings, we have endings. What a fine way to win things. And hot dog vendors have fun selling you the cat, rat, and dog on a bun. And when you ask, what is all of this call? It's just a friendly game of baseball. You low lives, you take that and that and that. I'm here to protect and serve, and that's exactly um, what I'm doing. All right, this is our last, our last bullet point for the cop episode. Um, okay. This is, this is the biggest one. I mean, this, this is kind of, if they didn't include this, this wouldn't be a formidable article. Last bullet point. Institutional racism is rarely addressed. Okay. So, you know, that breaks down numbers about African-Americans are more likely to be stopped first and arrested are two and one half times more likely to be shot by police than whites. Um, Studies have consistently found that police view black suspects as more threatening than white suspects. They are more likely to expect blacks to be criminals, as Prince said, and they expect violence when patrolling black or minority neighborhoods. These kind of stereotypes may affect the speed and or accuracy of officers' judgments 
whether suspects are armed or pose a threat. And here it is. Research also suggests that racial stereotypes can be self-fulfilling. Black suspects who worry that they might appear threatening or suspicious often adopt behaviors that police interpret as dangerous or suspicious looking, such as showing anxiety. Back. So there's one thing happened to me. I'm, I'm glad you asked that. There was all these cops down, downstairs at a train station. Oh, no, I'm glad you brought that up. And um, we were being teenagers. So we got into a little scuffle and we bust this kid's lip, snowing. It was literally blood all, you know, all on the snow, whatever. Scots ran up. I don't know why we did it right there because there was literally 20 cops down the, the subway stairs. They come running upstairs. Somebody went down and got them. Because, we, you know, we were teenagers, so we were standing there feeling tough or whatever. One of the cops grabs me by my shirt. So, mm. you know, I ain't gonna lie, like, a lot of my cop opinions is always forth from personal experience. They grabbed me by my shirt and twisted up. Pulled me closer. They're trying to figure out what's going on. No, you know, Brooklyn style. We all being tight lipped. Nobody knows what? what. I don't know nothing. And the cop distinctly asked me, Yo, why is your heart beating so fast? <laughs> and I have to look at him quizzically enough, shirt twisted up. Because I have a damn cop gripping my shirt up. Like, what do you think? Like, you're holding me like this. Of course, my, my, my heart is going to beat fast. What am I supposed to be sitting there like Cool Hand Luke? Hey, officer, how's your day? You want a cooler? No, motherfucker. My heart is beating fast because you might flip me into some damn steps and you, your homeboys might play fucking big with the fucking piano stomp on my fucking head or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's just funny that you they ask things, and this is, this is in the 90s, where, you know, it was a little bit of, let's agitate them a little bit mm -hmm. so we can justify, you know, getting me with a kidney shot or something. These are all experiences I always had. I never had no cop help me out. Mm. I really haven't. That's fucked up. I've had cops enter my crib and arrest my mom setting up to fight. It's not even, I don't know. I, I would really have to dig deep and, and dig and, and excavate to try to find some positive experience I have. Like I did, so I, I did know a cop. He was a producer. I, I can't remember his name. I think I still got his car. He was cool. Mm -hmm. And then um, I used to work with kids a lot and work in churches. And you would run into Cops. So, you know, it, it is case by case basis. I, I can't vilify an, an, an entire sector, but it's tough for me, y'all. Mm. I, I mean, it got to be on some game. You know, you got to vouch for this motherfucker. Yeah, I want to I add to that. Uh, there's something crazy that I, mean, I came to the point four or five years ago where I realize that it's more damaging as a black person to watch these videos of black people dying at the hands of cops or abused at the hands of cops than to not watch them. And the reason I don't watch, like I haven't seen this whole video. I just saw the still images yeah, of, me too. of this yeah. one. And the reason I don't is because what that report refers to, you're looking at traumatic imagery. You're looking at traumatic imagery of someone who looks like you you know what I'm saying? Being killed, shot, stabbed, violated, however the fuck. And the more you watch this, the more you start to envision yourself in that position if and when you come across that force. And so to me, I've, I've decided years ago, like, yo, this should, we should be very careful. I know we're in the era of like, we have to share this and we have to be aware of what's going on. But just as a black man, I vow to never watch those videos 
anymore simply because I know what will happen. And what will happen is when I, when I, when I start rolling up to police, I'm going to assume that, fuck, this is going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. My heart's going to start beating crazily, even if a motherfucker don't want nothing. I'm assume that this is what they're going to do. This is what they can do. And, you know, that shit can traumatize you just as much as, as something happening to you, you know? And so I think we have to be careful, you know what I'm saying, about some of the things that we, we look at because, like, I haven't had experiences that you've had, Castro, right? Like, I've had some eye experiences. I've never had no cop put hands on me like that. But I know that if that happened to me, my reality would be different. You know what I'm saying? It would be completely different. We're like, okay, well, how do I anticipate this going? You know what I'm saying? And some people haven't had your experience nor mine, but they've watched video after video after video. And in doing so, they've started this thing in their mind to where now this is, this is, tra- this is a traumatic experience. You, if you watch this over and over, you probably should be talking to counseling about this. Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're reliving these traumatic moments and we have to be very careful because we know why the media wants us to keep watching it because they get paid. Mm-hmm. But we need to be very careful about watching ourselves because we start to internalize it. And then when we actually cross paths with these people, it starts to color our engagement with them. Spot on, dude. Big facts. Big facts. The, the, other, the, um, the other slice of that print is we also become, it's a numbing agent. Exactly. If you, if you sit there, what do we watch? Van Damme and he punches that tree over and over again. He hardens his knuckles. So where, you know, people get enraged by the, the violence and the riots and the looting, but it need, there needs to be a thumbtack on the timeline. Otherwise, it just evens itself out. There needs yeah. to be a spike in the heartbeat. Otherwise, it's like, Yo, you know, we know what's going to happen. Like, look, and everybody in, in the pod and my friends, they know how negative I am. I knew Trump was going to get elected. I know this cop is going to get off. I can see the third degree um, charges the, saying that he died because of another condition. I'm already set up for that. I shouldn't be though, but I've had to brace myself. I re- I rem- I'm old enough. To- I remember the Rodney King thing. And I remember being young enough and old enough to think that, hey, it was a traffic jam on the other side of the street. This video is pretty long. Uh-huh. It is, there's no cutting of, this is a long form video. A lot of cops leapfrogging each other to get their hits in. This is pretty obvious. And then even still at that age, I still thought maybe more road cops. I mean, they probably need to get rid of these guys. They, they, they get too much enjoyment out of this. Mm. And to watch them get off, not even a slap on the wrist, it was rough. That, that, that was deflating. Like, I remember exhaling. Like, I, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm still coming up learning about law and stuff like that and realizing that the law in this country is really not to my benefit, regardless. And that was a hard, that was a disheartening moment. So, you know, but now with so many years ahead, similar things have happened. I've lived through many experiences. I always think about Abner Louima. Mm-hmm. I'm a dude, Diallo. What, what was going on there? What, what was going on? Diallo was in front of his crib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abner Louima was taken to a room and violated. Yeah. No reason whatsoever but jobs. The dehumanization working that job. 
-hmm. throwing people in cages, maybe hearing the same excuses over and over again, mm -hmm. saying, cop, please. I know what a job turns into. Every job at some point turns into an assembly line. What do they say? If, you, if you're not challenged at your work, you probably should look for another profession. Right. It, they're automated. Bad, good, bad, and ugly. I can look at somebody and make that decision. Treating yeah. everybody like this. No repercussions. Oh. I always mentioned this earlier. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I wanted to try. I, I always mentioned this earlier about having, you know, people that I know that became cops that I had to distance myself from because of things that they would say to me because they thought I would agree with them because everybody in their life agrees with them. You know, like about, you know, things like one dropping end bombs, which they never did before. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. It's like, wait, what, why is that coming out now? Like what, what has changed in your life that that's coming out or things like, you know, like, man, this one time I had to go, like we would chase this guy down and this, you know, this dude would make us run after him. And like, we would just beat him down for, because he was black. Mm. Like they would say things like that to me and expecting me to be like, Oh, cool. <laughs> but really it's like, you think that's okay. Like it really just changed. Like it colors the way that I look at people that are in that world. And it, to me, it's the thing that everybody I know that's gone into that world has changed and become more like that. So I have to question, was that something that they were before? Is it something that that job turns people into or is it something inherent in the culture? And I tend to think it's the culture because when you're around cops and I've been around like groups of cops before because of, you know, my cousin is a cop. Mm -hmm. so when we were younger we'd go out and I would see them talking about this shit and it was the conversations they had it was the joy that they had in these things mm -hmm. it was the camaraderie and the brotherhood that they had through this kind of violence and abuse and I think it's the way that that happens in any sort of an organization like you see it with soldiers as well right mm -hmm. they have camaraderie through the, the violence that they've gone through together you see it with football teams they have camaraderie through the violence and that you go through. There's a culture inherent in all of those organizations. And I think that that's something that's inherent in policing. And it's, it's not just policing either. It's the criminal justice um, industry, really. Uh -huh. Like, you know, the, the state-run criminal justice industry that is inherently dehumanizing. And it dehumanizes both the people that are victims of it and then the people that are perpetrators of it. They both become dehumanized, and it's really just disgusting. It, it's um, there's an incentive, there's an incentivization to bullying. Yeah, you know, like we see it, we see it with movie tropes, the bullying yeah. squad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like in it, you know what I'm saying? Um, shit, I had a bully in middle school. The funny thing about this kid was he was shorter than me, mm. but he was like older than me. And the reason the bully dynamic with me and him started because one day um, I used to stare, I used to stare, right? Like just vamp out in class, he'd just look out the door. And he happened to be outside the door in the hallway or something. So he thought I was staring at him. I barely even remember seeing the guy. Remember, he's short. So he, he bumps him into, into me a little later and he gets egged on by one of his friends. He starts, he's like, yo, he was looking at me. And some of his, his other friend came out of nowhere. Yo, man, fuck him up, yo. I can't remember. Fuck him up, Tony. Fuck him up, right? Mm. Some movie shit. Mm -hmm. so I have all the type of stories. Tony ends up 
this, I'll just use the name for Tony Cook now. Pushes me down the flight. But I told you, I was very athletic. So I literally jumped a whole flight of steps and landed. So I didn't get hurt or anything like that. They literally, you know, anybody went to public school, a flight of steps pushed me down the flight. I landed. We start going through this whole year of antagonizing him, just kind of tripping me. We pass each other in the hallway, stepping on my heel to make me kind of stumble, bumping into me. And the irony of it, and I don't even know why I told the story, is when he finally graduated, because I remember talking to myself, being like, oh, man, if I just make it through this year, he's graduating, he'll leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? We get to, like, his last year, you know. And this is middle school, y'all, whatever grade at, eighth, eighth grade going to high school. He comes up to me and he's just like, oh, you know I was just messing with you all this time, man. And, like, gives me, like, a shoulder hug. Like, mm -hmm. take it easy, bro. Like, this was some apprenticeship on his part or something to toughen. Yeah, that was cat. your rites of passage, man. Yeah. <laughs> now go find yourself a freshman yeah. and beat his ass for six years. <laughs> Turned you to a man. <laughs> Trip some kid and terrorize him, and it didn't, it didn't go that far. But, again, incentivize bullying. You know what I mean? Like, um, the mob mentality scares me in a lot of facets. It scares me in um, sometimes protesting goes wrong against authority. It scares mm -hmm. me in, in rioting. People are going to do what other people are doing. And it's the same thing with um, police. I've come to find out, we do a little research. When they shoot, they're taught to shoot in clusters. If you mm -hmm. hear your partner shoot a couple of times. Yeah, you got to start. Yeah, you got to let off. So yeah. nobody can like feel the like shit. Like yeah. I killed whoever we shot. It's the same yeah. thing as firing. It's like the firing squad mentality. Right. One bullet and nine blanks. So nobody has to weigh, weigh that guilt. I always yeah. bother me to like, all right, you have bullets, right? And I understand it's a tense situation. I don't always bother me like, why well, don't I hear just six to eight shots, five to six shots? Right. Why don't I hear 17? Because they're shooting yeah. in bunches and then it's just contagious. It, Here's the, the um, thing I wanted to throw at you then. Yes. There's sir. a part I forgot to say when we talked about this part, and I, I want to I ask something when it, when it said, African-Americans are more likely to be stopped first, they're arrested, are two and one times more likely to be shot by police than whites. And it said, these differences have not been adequately explained by crime rates, level of threat, or bad neighborhoods. So you can't even say, oh, well, that, that neighbor is just bad. And that's, that's the poor black and Hispanic neighborhood. That, that's why we had to let off and terrorize these citizens. Wherever they stop you, you know, that becomes the area. Right, and so like, on my end, watching, watching when you like when you seen that dude last week, when this motherfucker was like protesting in Ohio, wherever it was, about taking the mask off, open the economy, let us get back to our lives. Oh yeah, and, one, and these motherfuckers are screaming in the in the cops' face. And they ain't wearing a mask. They're all armed to the fucking teeth in like Iraq cosplay, where they got the cargo pants, the fucking two straps across their chest with the guns. And they got the masks on wrong, and then they got the fucking vests that are too small, and all of that shit. And then they had a picture that the one dude left, and was at is at Subway with a fucking rocket launcher strapped over his shoulder. And everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I mean that's that's just you know, he's not a threat just because he's a white guy." And that's the weirdest thing to me is, I've been around white areas most of my life because I'm a white guy. I've been around black areas and and have black friends because i like hip-hop and i do hip-hop but i don't look at like white people as like well he's he's just like me like i'm not scared of that dude like yeah. dangerous scary shady looking white people scared the shit out of me 
the same way scary, dangerous looking black people would scare the shit out of me. If they are dangerous, i.e. carrying a fucking rocket launcher to a subway restaurant, that's some dangerous shit. But I think it, it what makes it more frustrating is when all these people get killed, Philando Castillo, and now this gentleman, it's like these dudes are, are regular people. They're not stopped with C4 in their pocket, a brick of yeah. coke, 17 dudes strapped to the fucking teeth. It's always just about their business. And then when you see people actually strapped to the fucking, like to the tooth with everything, it's like, give them their space. They are exercising their rights as citizens. But then that there's goes also back, that goes the back idea to Curly's that thing. there's something uh, to be said for being strapped to the teeth when you're approaching, by, when you're approaching police. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. So that goes back to Curly's thing. Like, yeah. the bully re- only respects motherfuckers who stand up to him. Mm-hmm. And that's and why, so, you know, white, white woman popped the fuck off the cops. Yeah. But, she, she, but she's, but that's his woman. Right? Mm. Like, the white man views the white woman as my woman. So, the dynamic that plays out between them in public is very similar to the, the dy- dynamic that plays out in private. Now, the black woman talking crazy to the to to the white cop in public. That's the different dynamic. The white man ain't used to being talked to like a sister would talk to you. Mm. She can make you feel like shit. She'll <laughs> <laughs> squab with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sister, she's not fucking around. She'll have a cop heated. He'll be embarrassed. Mm. He's not gonna be roasting back and forth with her, ain't it? That ain't happening. So right. it's different. But yeah, I think I think some of that shit comes down to like knowing the limits of the law and how the law makes people view you differently. I think all gun owners are viewed very cautiously by police Uh, because the police for once knows that, okay, a, this person knows their constitutional rights. uh B, they got a weapon. They're not some fucking hood dude shooting off, letting off to the side and all upside down with the gat. (laughs) Like, right. I got my hands full. I'm dealing with somebody who knows how to practice yeah. to use this weapon and is trained just like I am. And so there's, we're going to have some civil discourse because the gun is the great equalizer. And this is why normal black citizens need to be carrying guns. I'll never be anti-gun as a black person yeah. because I've read books on our history. And, and when I read this book on our history, it's like black people didn't stop fucking with guns till Martin Luther King made it politically unpopular to fuck with guns. And Part also when um, when they changed the legislature after the Panthers stormed the Capitol by accident. Yeah. I movie the other day. Uh, but yeah, but but like post-Civil War, black people were the security force of the South. Yeah. Mm-hmm. White Southerners were being policed and kept, black people were down there, ex-slaves with guns. Mm-hmm. But, but there was laws, they were trying to, because black people, even black slaves had guns. They don't tell that story. Black people have had a, a best friend relationship with guns since we've been in this country. But you listen to some of these fucking bullshit black leaders now, they start talking this anti-gun shit. But the problem is the criminals gonna always have a gun. The regular motherfuckers like me need guns. Yep. So that when I'm dealing with cops or I'm dealing with fucking hood niggas, they don't they don't fuck with me. But but if you take it to where it's like the guns is only for them, then you you're you're actually denying some of the equalizer that you naturally have as a fucking citizen. Mm-hmm. And, and that plays a part because best believe when those cops come across these white armed militias, they not acting brolic like that. Like you said, yep. 
And, and my, 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 my best friend who fought in Iraq, when I sent him a picture of how them people were dressed, he was like, he started breaking it down. He's like, that's wrong. You would never wear this. This person would not be doing that. And he even said, he was like, he said, I hate these type of people because they're the ones that are all like, I want that action. I want to see this, this, this. He's like, we had to do like that in my unit in the army. We're in Afghanistan. The first time we have gunfire, they're in the fucking tanks. He's like, that dude shit his pants. And we all didn't say nothing because it's embarrassing, but we could all smell it. He shit himself. And he was, because he was like, because you talk that shit, but when when all them rounds and shit are flying, you tense yeah. up and get scared no matter how many times you get trained. Yeah. That I, I never trust people like yeah. that that act like, oh, yeah, I'm about that. He's like, you went to Walmart and spent two grand. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> but cops ain't but, crazy. They know. Yeah. But, but the other thing is, like, you see, like, I mean, cops are getting taken over right now from just numbers and people with, like, rocks and bricks. Mm. If motherfuckers rolled up, scrapped hard. Or even, so, here's the key thing. I think Prince said this earlier in the episode. There's a certain, and you mentioned Antifa, the organization. Do you see how mm-hmm. Hong Kong protesters handle their business? Yep. They, they, they have things set up before they go out there to make the demonstration. They know how to diffuse tear gas with a uh, with a uh, with an orange cone and water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they, I've seen them move barricades, and they also really sacrifice their body. If they see a cop infiltrate their line and get one of them, they leap on that motherfucker, isolate him, mm. and then he's, you know I don't know. I'm just talking tactics. I'm just saying like this. Look, I'm people know. Protest, that's all good. I've lived through hundreds of them. I ain't seen shit change. So I'm ne- I'm really not even big on that a lot. I've, I really believe we have to move on to a higher level of legislation change, lobbying, and things of that nature. I'm just old enough to start thinking that. But at the same time, protesting is always the powder cake because the cops are out there on the clock and they need something to do. They don't want to just sit there and watch a parade walk by them and then when it's finished, clean up. Mm-hmm. Somebody got to get tricked. What are you looking at? Mm-hmm. Would you say? You know, and it's it, it's just it, it it just it always breeds these situations. I've, I've barely seen protests with numbers, the ones we're gonna see, that end up with the cops and them just reaching an amicable understanding of we have the right to protest. And some cops think we have the right to go outside your head. Mm-hmm. You're annoying anymore as long as like uh, factions like Antifa are around. Yeah. I mean, black people can't even have a decent march without these motherfuckers showing up, breaking shit and subverting the, the agenda mm-hmm. for, yeah. for their anarchist bullshit, you know? Yeah. And then they'll sit around chanting Black Lives Matter as if they're doing some shit for black people. I fucking yeah. hate And they'll, and they'll I, leave the I, neighborhood I right Everybody after. else would just say, fuck Antifa. I get tired of hip hop motherfuckers I hate that trying shit. to praise them like fuck they're them. they're some kind of revolutionary faction walking around fuck with their them. faces off. And they're burning down. He says, okay, so what happens in Minneapolis and all these 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 lower income houses are built are burnt down. You got black businesses built that burnt down. Yep. So you know the residents didn't do it. And the question becomes, okay, what's happening next? Well, what's gonna happen next is gentrification. What happens next is is the black people who used to live there now have nowhere to shop, now have to go, now everything has to start all over. And when it starts all over, that same housing ain't gonna be there. Those jobs are not gonna come back. Motherfuckers are already in doubt for that shit. And now this shit is, is, is more racist than the shit that they claim that they're fighting against. Mm. They, they shout Black Lives Matter just as a, as a marketing ploy to, to, to make the average dummy 
think that they're doing something for black people when all they're doing is making shit harder for the black man because now when motherfuckers see shit break people breaking shit they don't see a face of these fools they see black people following behind them oh it's okay to break shit i'm gonna break shit too uh-huh. i guess we're looting now mm-hmm. that's what it turns i guess this is what it is these motherfuckers the, the laws though there's actually great speeches this one sister tamika really impassioned speech and that should be making its rounds if we're talking about sharing things. But there's a lot of police cars on fire downtown right now. That's what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. If you if you're really protesting and trying to take some shit down, that's what you should be trying to take down. Thank you. Not the Louis Vuitton store. No, not at all. Like not I mean, in Memphis, store. Memphis, they burnt down. They're burning down City Hall. That police thing. And like, and and what I don't get is like, I don't know. It's just ridiculous because you gotta understand. Like, we still don't know the impact of this this virus on the economy. Come on, six months, a year from now, and now you're doing this with the the attempt. You're sending all these money, all these people in because they they want to make police brutality the number one issue, like they tried to make four years ago, mm-hmm. as you saw. And as soon as election day was ended, we ain't heard about police brutality in the news in four fucking years. Mm-hmm. This is, it ain't no coincidence, man. They control what's important based on who they want to see go to the polls. And they've deemed that police brutality is enough to mobilize the, 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 the black people and, and those who they want to, who they think are going to be the deciding factor in this fucking election. Mm. And, and watch, the day after the election, you're not going to hear about police brutality for another four fucking years. And I, I think I said to my wife today, I was like, you, you have the collective trauma and pain all of us are feeling in the fucking world of the coronavirus where businesses are fucked up, people's checks are fucked up, jobs, furloughed, unemployment is skyrocketing. Then you add, it's getting nice out and people want to get the fuck out of the house. Yeah. Then you add, we're bringing this shit up again which is heinous and gross and everyone's collective anger is boiling on top of everything else that's happening then you have a president who clearly likes to incite this horse shit so then it becomes something where like all the things i've seen on social media at least in philly was same thing you know in all the news i watched everything was going good everything was fine people were saying their grievances doing whatever and then another group showed up and then they started the smoke and fire and flames and whatever Yep. And so, yeah, I was out earlier today. It was a beautiful day out. We were at the park hanging out, doing our thing. I want to get the fuck out of my house like everybody else wants to get out of my house. But if you then went down to the city to be like, yo, I also want to you know, spend two hours fighting for people's rights and let people know we're grieved, okay. But then once another group shows up that are more organized, that are about chaos, but they're like, yeah, but we're anti-fascist. And so wrecking a T-Mobile store, what the fuck does that have to do with a, a guy getting killed on camera in Minneapolis? Nothing. 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 I don't know. So I, I mean, it's fucking bullshit that how how that happened. But now, like here in our city, and I hope it's not affecting you guys wherever you are. It's like, what what's the economic recovery going to be with that shit? <laughs> of everything that's fucked up. It's and then, like you said about two thousand one, well, what's going to happen in Philly now with lockdowns? Well, people yeah. already been locked down because yeah. of coronavirus. Because I, mean, I can tell you what happened in Cincinnati. Like post riots in Cincinnati, the main strip. Of, of downtown Cincinnati where the clubs and the nightlife and the businesses were, not the corporations, died. Ugh. Like within two to three years, it was completely dead. 
all and, and during that time because people did not want to come downtown people were afraid to come to that strip now they're like nah we've had riots these businesses because everything was on lockdown for months jobs businesses all closed then newport kentucky opened which was like right across the bridge all of a sudden all these businesses opened less than two miles from where it was just right across the bridge and that part of downtown just started recovering four or five years ago damn and so like people think this shit is just gonna it ain't gonna work like that mm-hmm. you're gonna have some people all this shit is built on people feeling comfortable enough to come out the house to bring mm-hmm. their family to spend yeah. money but you're removing that when you show that you can't control this shit or you let people do it or these 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 factions who subvert the agenda and make a peaceful protest a non-peaceful protest mm-hmm. right and now people are like nah we're gonna stay out here we're gonna keep our money out here how does that affect the same people that you claim you're you're repping with this black lives matter shit you shout mm-hmm. so it's interesting the this dude, uh, K Gaines, he's uh, from out in Brooklyn. He's out here. He's a rapper. And uh, he grew up on Flatbush. And he just posted this video of this organized protest that's going on where he grew up, which was, um, it's like um, Prospect Park West, like on Parkside, which was like a rough area for a long time. And it's an area that's become rapidly gentrified. Around the corner. And, from yeah. Corner. So it, it's basically his... This is what he had to say. Sorry, let me read it to you. I thought it was really interesting. I grew up on Ocean Ave and Parkside, right by Prospect Park, Flatbush. Not Prospect West, not Prospect Lefferts Gardens, Flatbush. A heavily black American and Caribbean neighborhood until recently. Yesterday, I was informed there was going to be a protest starting right where I grew up. I was tempted to go to make sure my family was safe because I saw what was happening in Bedside. Uh, But then I had a thought, who organized this protest? All the protests and riots I was involved in in Flatbush as a young and were spontaneous. We were angered by something police did and we responded the only way we knew how because nothing else worked. We never organized protests. It's a visceral reaction to injustice. My old hood is currently experiencing heavy gentrification at a rapid pace and something told me it wasn't going to be like the protests of yesteryear. Um, I get a picture from my fam and what do I see? A crowd filled with mostly the same white people gentrifying our neighborhood. Do you know how insanely absurd and contradictory it is? I'm here protesting uh, brutality black people are experiencing all while pushing them out of their neighborhood at a rapid pace. Mm. I knew this was going to flop. I had no idea where to go. They barely made it five blocks before they were broken up by the piglets. Long story short, know your organizers, know their intentions, stop blindly and randomly following protests. Group, uh, protest groups unless you know their ide- ideologies and make sure it's aligned with yours. The one thing we must do is learn from all of this. Mm. Yep. There it is. Yeah. That's home. That's home base. I live down the block. I called my mom and told her don't go down any protest. Yeah. Nah, that shit is corporate now. The whole activism yeah. shit is, you know, like I always say, man, that's the new SoundCloud, man. Yeah. The last song do you yeah. have? Well, um, I mean, I'm just going to go with the, the classic KRS sound of the police. Whoop, whoop. That's the sound of the beast. Yeah, you know? So hey, I think... You know, I hear a lot about cops, these KRS songs. Black cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my education. I Who protects us, us from, from you? you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that, that's that's the one I'm going to gonna go with. And then we'll come back and close up, Zeke. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Woo, <laughs> woo,
That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. Like a sub 
That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. All right, so we're back. Any back. final thoughts, gentlemen? One, two, three. Fuck the ball. On a count of three. You know what the best part about that song? Yeah, is that, that beat is so happy. That's like yeah. the happiest, cheeriest beat. <laughs> and then he's just like, we got us in, we got none of them. That shit is getting on and dodging and ducking them. That shit is. Yeah, I, I got to fuck with them. There's a lot of heartbreaking stuff going on right now. We need people to hold fast. You know, protect their, you know, you and yours, hold your family close. And, and and just be careful, be steady. It's a minefield out there right now. You know, we're still dealing with a pandemic. Mm-hmm. On top of this, on top of that, on top of a maniac president, on top of this, on top of Space Force. Space Force is out there. We got Space Force to show, Steve Carell. Yeah. We got to deal with that now. So I, just, I just want people just 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 move with pure heart. Try to be as humane as possible. Let that lead you. Morality is internal. Everybody knows when they do something wrong, they do something right. You know, follow your inner antenna and, and, and just do that and keep you calm. Talk to a cop. Talk to them like, you know, respect them, give them their respect, let them give you respect. Mm-hmm. Just try to make it out of those situations a lot. That's, that's the best I could do tonight. And um, if, you're in, if you're in a city with a curfew, stay inside. Please do. Pandemic! Mm-hmm. Please stay inside. Um, yeah, we, I, I want to, we'll, we'll post the link for sure to the Harvard Business Review article that I was referring to. And I, I really want people to, to listen to the Combat Jack, rest in peace, um, his, his show, Corey Piggies. Like, it's, Send me it's a link re- for that. I'll put it in the yeah. description. The first 20, 30 minutes is like him just talking about his life street shit, which is fascinating too. Him running with like, you know, like all the Queens drug dealer dudes in the 80s and then his transition. But then just his, his, his analysis of what the culture of policing is and the fraternity of them and how he zoomed past all of those dudes. And because he got enough power, nobody could fuck with him. So the way he was viewing them post Eric Garner, everything sounds like he murdered or, or made that episode today based on uh, George Floyd. So I wish, I wish the shit wasn't so fucking accurate and topical. And it seems like there really hasn't been any progress made Hence everybody's frustration. Um, I just, I'm just not with like the property destruction. You know what I mean? Like of random fucking stores and businesses and houses. I don't like that shit. I'm not, I'm not with that. I think protesting is important. Like how everybody said, like use your constitutional rights. If you want to get a gun and become a registered gun owner, go for it. If you want to vote more often, run, get more involved in local politics and and PA, we got our votes. Our next vote is June 2nd on Monday or Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, my polling place 10 blocks away, but I ain't going to stop. Yeah. So get involved however you want. Um, just be safe. I, I, the one thing I just want to say is anger and pain. Like anger has never led down a good path. People think that anger is the equalizer, but like Prince said, like being a citizen <laughs> with your shit together, that, that will be an equalizer. Two people angry with guns does not solve anything. The same way people with anger and hammers to fucking smash businesses doesn't solve shit. The same way an angry person who feels he can't be touched can put his knee on the back of someone's neck for eight eight minutes and then spark off some wild shit. So 
the anger is real. The pain is real. The sadness is real, but moving and using anger and transferring into violence, like truly just doesn't help. So it doesn't mean don't use your rights to their fullest extent. I just don't like seeing my wife and my family terrified tonight is not the look in my city because everyone else's family feels like this too. It's not just me. Um, so that's all. That's all I want to say. Everybody just be, please just be safe. That's it. Um, Play devil's yeah. advocate. I do. It is me personally. I still I acknowledge the frustration. I acknowledge the rage. I know a volcano has to erupt when it's built up. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it is also a phrase that you know, if you want the guys to see you, you have to light a big fire. So um, I think some people feeling powerless leads them to these right. Oh yeah. So, Try to address angles. You know what I'm saying? Let's try to address I get that. I get that 100%. Before we reach these um, powder kegs, you know, they they, they come together. and Let's try to cut off those lines, those fuses before it it goes boom. Word. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just basically thinking, like, you know, we talked about the videos and how they're, they're traumatizing and they're awful to watch and you know, maybe it's good to avoid watching them, but it's also something that's bringing light to something that's been going on forever. It's becoming more and more in our faces and more and more undeniable that there's a problem. And I think that as horrible as it is, it's helpful because we're seeing what the system is capable of, what the system has been doing forever and denying and lying about now there's no denying and lying about that anymore we get to see it and that's how change can happen when you actually address it when you see the thing that's a problem you can actually fix it instead of having it swept under the rug so as as horrible as this time is and as horrible as all of this is a lot's being exposed a lot of the flaws are being exposed and it's important to keep your head and actually really see what's going on versus letting you know outside agitators come in and create make make a bad situation worse when it actually could be a situation that empowers people versus actually making things worse in the long run so you know like everybody said just be safe um keep up the good fight and you know take take your rights and your power into your hands and don't let anybody ever take that from me and I think, you know, know your rights, know, know the laws, know what you can do, and keep your interactions with police to that point if you have to. But try to avoid them at all costs because they're fuckers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't got much to add. I do want to kind of add people using protests as a, as a means of, you know, venting and whatever. And I had this thought earlier today, and I was just thinking about how different things are now versus the 60s you know like the biggest difference that I notice is that there was an agenda there was a code of conduct mm-hmm. like when you took when you listen to the interviews of those who went to to the sit-ins they would go and be trained on dealing with people fucking with them like they had to literally be trained people pushing them stomping them spitting on them and not reacting right mm-hmm. they had to be trained at that you could not come to a civil rights march if you were not dressed a certain way mm. if you were not a certain age 
if you would not adhere to the code of conduct. And the question is, why did they do that? Because they had a specific agenda. It wasn't emotional. It was legislative. I think that's what's missing from this. We have all the glamour and glitz. We have all the access to the footage. We have all of these celebrities who are, who are making a name for themselves and entertainers who mm -hmm. are in their activist bag, but there's no fucking agenda. And there's no agenda because people are strictly hanging their hat on awareness. We can go back and see footage of black people being hosed down and beaten 50, 60 years ago. There was awareness then. There's awareness now. When are we going to have some solutions? And until then, you're going to have people continue to subvert the, the movement because they're going to say, well, I'm just creating awareness. Mm -hmm. And eventually, when does awareness transform into uh, 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 specific change, specific legislation, a specific plan, a specific agenda? And we don't have that. And, and you can't form one while you're allowing everyone to participate, everyone to use this attention as a platform to destabilize communities economically, physically, financially. This is what's going on right now. And I don't see it changing until motherfuckers start really policing who they let participate. Mm. Putting in a code of conduct for who can attend and who cannot. Letting people know. And even if you have to say, look, I want to work with the police. So when we march, y'all know who's with us and who's not. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. now the emotion, it, it, activism has been commercialized. People are flying in all over the country because they know fools ain't organized. They know there's no agenda. And they know that these people in these communities ain't talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And until that changes, ain't nothing going to change. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm curly on this. I'm not protesting. I'm not going nowhere. My, I'm going I'm to protest this shit by trying to be successful, trying to change my family's generational outcomes. Mm -hmm. Because that seems like a more worthy endeavor than being out there getting my ass whooped by a cop mm -hmm. over no agenda. Because my family need me. And I think everybody on this podcast is the same. We don't need to get our asses whooped over some shit that ain't even got a specific plan. Mm -hmm. You know, nope. so my right. thing is, you know, participate. Yep. Yeah, so that's it. That's all I got to say. That was great, friend. That was great. Activism, the key word in there is active. And I've met, and look, I used to be a little baby revolutionary. I met many of planners. Yeah. Hundreds of planners. But nobody really laying down an agenda and say, Monday we're going to do this, Tuesday we're going to do that, and Wednesday we're going to try to do it. So let's see. Let's see if we yeah. get this going. Let's get some legislative bodies going. That's what I'm saying, because you can actually look back at the civil rights movement and say they did get specific things changed. Yeah. Specific laws were changed as a result of what they did. Mm. Now, all these, these tools and all these, these, these powerful phones and all these powerful networks we got, all this money being poured into activism. If there's no changes, it's because motherfuckers don't want there to be no changes. Mm. <laughs> they like this. You know this that. This shit serves a purpose. They don't, they don't want no agenda. They love the chaos. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. man. It was a heavy one tonight, y'all. Heavy one. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, we make music. Go look for it sometime. We ain't gonna <laughs> We promote tonight. Yeah, none, yeah. We have enough shows to promote, but we, we got, we're going to have stuff dropping on Bandcamp Day, but that's, that's not today. So we'll, we'll, let, we'll let that happen next week 
So yeah, if you got a local election coming up like we do here, see yeah. who you want, man. Go fucking stand in line, do your voting. It's not, it's not vote fraud if you do the mail and shit. <laughs> you're not, you're not subverting anything by doing that. That's also going to do a lot more to change your world and your world around you than it is yeah, just X. voting once every four years. Yeah, X. Get busy. Get busy in them boxes. Have call out culture. Call out culture. Blueprint for for uh, guesting tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Everybody out there, go support his podcast with Brother Logic, Super Duty, Tough Work. Blueprint also has a book coming to you sooner than later. I want mm-hmm. everyone that we have to cop that book because we're, we're going to get the book. We mm-hmm. might break the book down. So don't miss your homework. You know? we, we might do live yeah. from the liner notes book edition with Blue. No, it's, it's the, <laughs> the the call out culture book club. Where's nice. my where's my glasses? I'm a scholar. Yeah, man. <laughs> but, um, and we thank everybody for listening tonight. Um, and let's keep the dialogue going. Anybody, you know, yeah. we got call out culture pod, our Twitter. Any ideas? Just let's, we 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 will open the conversation. So mm-hmm. let's let's get it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brent. Right. Yeah. Song song. Song song.